Since our colleague, the late Dr. Li Wenliang, sounded the first alarms of a novel coronavirus last December, COVID-19 has developed into a global pandemic. Not since the flu of 1918 has our society experienced this degree of threat to our health and to our happiness. This is a unique moment in our history, and we here at The Surgery Set are doing what we know how to do, which is to say podcasting, to help. We're telling the stories of this time from the people on the front lines. In these uncertain times, we want you to feel informed. We want you to feel supported. We want to give you the tools to be resilient in the face of what may be the hardest few months of our lives, and we want to remind you, frequently and forcefully, that you are awesome. These are the stories from the front line of this global crisis, featuring visits with the heroes who are making a difference when we need them the most, and ideas for how to stay well and balanced as we learn to live in social distance. From the Department of Surgery at the University of Wisconsin, this is The Front Lines of COVID, a Surgery Set series. I'm Jonathan Kohler, a pediatric surgeon trying my best. Welcome. Is it right to think of this pandemic and our response to it as a war? Is that the right way to talk about a public health emergency without parallel in our lifetimes? War seems like the best metaphor of any I can think of, given the scale of resource deployment and the risks to the providers as well as to our patients from this invisible enemy. And if that's the case, our first eight episodes have been with the infantry and the NCOs. So it's a real pleasure to get a general on the line. Rebecca Minter is the chair of the Department of Surgery here at UW-Madison, and she's been leading our department and representing us at still higher levels of administration as we marshal our forces against the coronavirus. Rebecca is a great chair and has been sharing her perspectives with our department regularly, so it's a great pleasure to be able to share them with you today as well. Here's Rebecca Minter. So Rebecca, thank you so much for uh, joining us on the surgery set, taking time out of your, I'm, I'm sure, busy schedule in a insane month or weeks or however long it's been now that we've been doing this to uh, to give us some perspective from the chair. We've talked a lot about sort of what it feels like to be on the front line to sort of be, be the infantry, as it were, around COVID with uh, some of our previous guests. But I, I'm just fascinated to know what things look like from the perspective of a general, from someone who's who's taking the broader institutional view and who's involved in the surgical societies and sort of the broader organizational response to the pandemic. Absolutely. Well, thanks for, for having me. I think, you know, it's really been a challenging time for all of us, obviously, but I think it's also been incredibly inspiring. I've been really grateful to be here at UW Health, at UW, and with the team that is our department, but also the incredible partnership we've had across departments. I think it's really been incredible to see how everyone has risen up and responded to this pandemic in a, in a very positive way, uh, even when there's understandably tremendous anxiety underneath all of that. But everybody has really stepped up in a very powerful way, which has been incredible to watch. Can you describe what the sort of upper level conversations are like? I guess, you know, we get emails from the incident command, and I know that I have emailed you and, and seen my emails immediately forwarded to other chairs. Just, I mean, give us a picture of your day. I mean, are you are you constantly in meetings? Like, how does this, how does zooming. it work? Lots of Zooming and WebEx. <laughs> <laughs> 
So I think, you know, again, really feel fortunate to be here. We have an incredibly strong chairs group between the WhatsApp chair chat and the, the Department of Surgery division chair chat and the thousand other chats. I think my phone is in constant vibration mode lately, but I think that we have a really incredibly cohesive group of chairs. So I think one of the things that has been fun to work on in this has been that we're really fortunate in our department to have some unique expertise. And uh, Ben Zarzar, who's our uh, division chair for acute care and regional general surgery. So Ben, you know, we've been talking a lot in the department about competencies and, um, and uh, understanding what people's strengths are, how they want to grow. And I will fully confess when I was recruiting Ben, I skipped over the part on his CV where he was the medical commander for a FEMA search and rescue task force for 10 years, but oh turns out that was a highly relevant competency <laughs> um, to what's before us right now. So in addition, Stephanie Savage has tremendous military expertise, having been the trauma czar field forward and Iraqi freedom and uh, Afghanistan. So they, in conjunction with our other experts for in disaster planning and our acute care and trauma program, have been working with colleagues from all the other departments that deliver critical care. And really early on, we came together, all of the chairs of the different departments that provide critical care services and the health system, along with all of the really boots on the ground, the captains, if you will, of the different ICUs, and immediately sort of developed common guiding principles for how we would care for critically ill COVID and non-COVID patients. And I think in the Department of Surgery, we've spent a lot of time in building our, our leadership team over the last year and a half. And it, it's very fortuitous that the book I asked everyone to read was uh, General Stanley McChrystal's Team of Teams, which again is highly relevant to the way that we need to function right now, really shifting from that hierarchical, typical academic medicine structure where things flow up and down in terms of decisions to a much more flat hierarchy with a collective consciousness for what we're trying to achieve together. And so a lot of work in the last few weeks of just planning, 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 and more planning. I mean, planning, I've been really plan. struck by the redundancy in all of our planning, right? It's like, this yeah. is where we're at. This is where we could go. Here's what happens if X, Y, and Z. Absolutely. And I think one of the things that's so different about this is we think about kind of the way that a HIC structure or health system incident command system is typically stood up in our past experiences, which where there's a, you know, let's say there was a, a shoot, a massive shooting like the Boston bomb, bomb threat, or right. there's mass casualties is a very different scenario than what this has been, where number one, we can't see it. Number two, it can actually impact the workforce itself. And so the, the HIC structure has to function a bit differently and there has to be this constant sort of bi-directional communication with department command centers, if you will, and with these interdepartmental, interdisciplinary groups that are working on things like critical care medicine and how we're going to staff up the emergency department if we need to, how we're going to staff up hospital medicine, as we know that 80% of these patients will be there, and we have 20 hospitalists, and they can't possibly, you know, provide all of that care themselves. How can we help? So it's been a whole process of understanding everybody's competencies, understanding how we can create layered teams to provide the right expertise that patients need, and so that our providers also aren't left feeling stranded without the skills they need to take good care of patients, and then having multiple layers of backup, as you said, in case somebody gets quarantined or, or has to drop out for some reason. I know it's very early to be thinking about the post-COVID era, but I, I do 
feel as I've had conversations with folks that that we're not going to be the same when we come out of this, that 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 this will fundamentally change the way we do some things. And I in many cases, maybe for the better. For instance, you know, I'm talking with Tom Brazelton, we've pulled telemedicine forward two centuries in two weeks from don't even use the phone to video visits. What do you see as being the long-term sequelae of of all the work that's been done here, all the relationships that have been forged? I think we learn a lot in war times, and I think this is a war. I think healthcare will be changed. I hope it's changed. I think we have broken down barriers that have been silly barriers for a really long time related to you know how we bill and how you know how what we need to document to get paid, and which doesn't necessarily have any impact on on patient care uh, in any way. So I think the telehealth piece, I really really hope, is preserved. We've certainly, depending on what your practice is. We've learned that we can keep patients' care moving forward with televisits uh, really nicely. I mean, I, it's terrible to say this, and I don't want to minimize the importance of the physical exam, but I can tell you that when my patient's been scanned head to toe, and I can talk to them or see them on a video, and I can ask them to get up from their chair and walk across the room to assess how frail they are, I can get 99% of what I need to, to come up with their plan of care. So it's, we've really been, I hope that those pieces are preserved. I think that on the kind of academic side of things, we've also learned that, you know what, doing virtual fellowship interviews works really quite well. And should we have our poor trainees spending a gazillion dollars, you know, flying around the country on their own? time when actually the, the Zoom interviews across the country are going quite well for multiple fellowships. So I hope that's something that we that we preserve going forward. And I think that certainly you mentioned the relationships, all the relationships that, that have, I think that we we're fortunate at UW to have great relationships with our colleagues, but I, I think this will forever change how we all work together in terms of having mutual respect for what the different groups do, people really working side by side and in really uncomfortable ways because it's been a long time since you know they've been in the inpatient setting for our ambulatory providers or, or um, in the ICU. We, we sought volunteers this weekend for which of our faculty would be willing to serve in the COVID ICUs as that kind of what we've called that level two attending, that kind of captain of the ship with a, with a team of trainees, APPs, and then a board certified intensivist kind of above them for backup. And, and we've had an overwhelming number of volunteers. So it's, again, I think those kind of in the trenches experiences will, will definitely carry forward in terms of, I think, deeper respect and continued positive relationships that we might not have otherwise been pushed to form. Uh, one last question before I let you get back to what I'm sure is a packed calendar, but uh, yeah. yeah. How, how have you been managing the issue of, of resilience and wellness, both for yourself and your family and for the, the whole department, the, you know, the hundreds of people who, whose lives have been disrupted by this? I know you've, you've done some outreach to all of us and it's been much appreciated, but any, any particular strategies that you've found work well? Well, I think with respect to the department, I think it's been probably the greatest challenge of this pandemic has been the social distancing. You know, human beings are social creatures and the inability to see each other, to, to provide comfort to each other in a recent tragedy, it's really hard. And so I think trying to figure out ways that we, whether it's through, <laughs> through Zoom and, and WebEx or just through daily communications to try to keep people up to date 
our department leadership team um, and the clinical leaders of all of our groups. Uh, we have a daily call at three o'clock. It's scheduled for 30 minutes and it frequently lasts an hour and a half. And I think it's just, again, trying to keep us all connected, interspersing that with some intermittent reminders of why we're all here and just really saying thank you to everyone. I think as hard as it is for our clinical providers, it's been really hard for all of our staff who are not clinical. You know, we have 500 staff in the department who aren't here and they want to be here and they want to help and they want to know what, what's happening with their, their people. Mm -hmm. So just trying to maintain those lines of communication and, and it's very much a work, a work in progress. We've had, of course, the department, uh, we haven't seen your video yet. The department family TikTok challenge. Yes. Um, <laughs> we're working on it, but we're, okay. we've got a three and a one-year-old and the, and the girl just she will not cooperate. <laughs> But she's getting better every day. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, we'll let her. She can hold the camera. There we go. So I think it's just you know continually trying to to figure out how we can stay connected is is the most important thing. I think also importantly you know there definitely are days when you just want to scream at the top of your lungs and I I think just again I'm very fortunate to have a great group of friends and colleagues several several of our other chairs happen to be women and we have one of our my favorite chat group is the BFC chat group, which is called the Bossy Female Chairs chat group. <laughs> and we take turns deciding which person has annoyed the leadership most recently. So they go to the end of the line and the next person gets to elevate the questions. <laughs> um, <laughs> I think having, you know, just having groups both here and then uh, other friends and colleagues across the country to just have a safe space to decompress when you need to is really important. And then the, the personal point in the family, I think that's something I need to, to figure out and do a better job with. I'm fortunate, obviously, my husband's also a surgeon and um, he's been helping out at work. One of the folks who volunteered to go in the COVID unit, but also has been helping out a lot at home. And I think this homeschool thing is about to kill us all, but at least the weather's getting nice. So we did uh, get outside with the kids and the dog and take a walk on the Ice Age Trail the other day. And that was incredibly renewing. Hopefully uh, we can do more of that in the, in the near future. Yeah. I mean, we're all alone in this, but like we're all alone together. It's such a bizarre feeling yeah. right very surreal for sure well i'm looking forward to seeing you in person yes. again one of these days and um thank you again for all your leadership and for your support of the work that we're doing and for your support of the podcast which has been a lifeline to me as a way to sort of st keep that connection to to people in the outside world so thank you well thank you for doing it i love listening to it dr rebecca minter is our chair oh captain my captain for a link to the book she mentions, Team of Teams by Stanley McChrystal, see the show notes. We link to an independent bookstore retailer. Trying to support our local businesses as best we can is a big way to help keep our communities together. Rebecca forwarded a poem to the whole department the other day that I thought was pretty great. It's called Lockdown by Father Richard Hendrick, and it's one of the early pieces of literature about this moment in our history, a moment that seems sure to be the subject of so much writing and thought in the years and decades to come. Lockdown. Yes, there's fear. Yes, there's isolation. Yes, there's panic buying. Yes, there's sickness. Yes, there's even death. But they say that in Wuhan, after so many years of noise, you can hear the birds again. They say that after just a few weeks of quiet, the sky is no longer thick with fumes, but blue and gray and clear. They say that in the streets of Assisi, people are singing to each other across the empty squares, keeping their windows open so that those who are alone may hear the sounds of family around them. 
They say that a hotel in the west of Ireland is offering free meals and delivery to the housebound. Today, a young woman I know is busy spreading flyers with her number through the neighborhood so that the elders may have someone to call on. Today, churches, synagogues, mosques, and temples are preparing to welcome and shelter the homeless, the sick, the weary. All over the world, people are slowing down and reflecting. All over the world, people are looking at their neighbors in a new way. All over the world, people are waking up to a new reality, to how big we really are, to how little control we really have, to what really matters, to love. So we pray and we remember that yes, there is fear, but there does not have to be hate. Yes, there is isolation, but there does not have to be loneliness. Yes, there is panic buying, but there does not have to be meanness. Yes, there is sickness, but there does not have to be disease of the soul. And yes, there is even death, but there can always be a rebirth of love. Wake to the choices you make as to how to live now. Today, breathe. Listen, behind the factory noises of your panic, the birds are singing again. The sky is clearing. Spring is coming, and we are always encompassed by love. Open the windows of your soul, and though you might not be able to touch across the empty square, sing. If you have an experience with COVID-19 you'd like to share or a question you want answered on the podcast, please don't hesitate to reach out to me on Twitter at J.E. Kohler. That's K-O-H-L-E-R. You can also send me an email at Kohler at surgery.wisc.edu. If you want to hear about something other than COVID-19, our regular program is focused on the latest innovations in surgery, including interviews with the pioneers at its cutting edge. If you're new here, feel free to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, iTunes, Podbean, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. And please take a moment to rate and review the podcast. Give our Facebook page a like and follow us on Twitter at Whisk Surgery. The Surgery Set is a production of the Department of Surgery at the University of Wisconsin-Madison. This episode was produced by Chelsea Johnson, J.P. Swenson, and me, Jonathan Kohler. It was edited by J.P. Swenson. Special thanks to Nicole Jennings, Rebecca Minter, and everyone else in our department pulling together during this adventure. Until next time, be well and stay in touch, friends. Remember, you can't stop the clock. This too shall pass. <laughs>